2: Big show We're here. for Friday. We're ready to rock and roll.
0: Gary Ellerson back in the saddle. Back. How did you shoot yesterday, Gary? I played really well yesterday. I'm very, very. I'm, I'm my golf games. But I always start like this. You always I, start all, hot? I always start out hot. My golf game is just so hot in the Woo-hoo! beginning. About a month from now, I won't even find a stroke <laughs> to save my life. Body just gets tired. I don't know. I mean, I just don't. But right, man. My 5-wood my yesterday was on fire. I mean, if if I was like, mm, if I was 240 out with my 5-wood, mm-hmm. it's on the green. Oh, Isn't that a great I feeling? I mean, and I'm launching it, man. And that, that, thing, that thing had some pop in it yesterday. You hear me? There's nothing better than knowing a club
2: is going on the green. You know you're up on the dance floor it's when up, you're at a it's spot. It's up there. That's it.
0: And so you had that two-putt limit, cuz? Now we're talking. Let, hey, That's let, what I'm talking Don't leave about. it short. Nope, nope. Put
2: it through. Might as well. That looks like a beautiful day for you guys out what, there.
0: And where score was? What, what did you shoot, Gary? We we finished five. We finished five over. Okay. How? So so was the was the crew that you were with? Uh, we can't hit a putt to save our <laughs> life. Dude, we were missing 8-foot putts, 10-foot... <laughs> I mean, we couldn't hit a putt to save our lives. But you could get to the dance floor. You just, yeah, couldn't, we just, you just couldn't, couldn't hit a putt. Just couldn't okay. hit a putt. Okay. Well, you know why? Because it had rain. Here's what happened. I don't know if a lot of people... It's a beautiful course. Uh, the, 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 the legends at Bergamot is okay. where we golfed at in Oregon, Wisconsin. Mike McCarthy had had his golf uh, tournament there for the last four years, Leroy and I, went. And this year's at Tellerum, they had their... Golf uh, tournament there, and they moved it there this year. So i I've known the track. Well, here's what happened: it rained, it poured down like crazy that morning. Sure, right? yeah, no doubt. It and was then all of a sudden, baby towels, hot. So the ball was rolling different than what it was later in the day mm-hmm. than what it was in the morning, and you just can't. I just, we, we just couldn't get a feel. You just couldn't
2: figure it out because like it, it speeds up, even though some spots are still going to be slick and it rolls. Just you, you can't yeah. get a
0: feel for it. That's tough. But a great, 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 great turnout. Hey, you guys, well, you that's good some stuff. If you guys want to see some pictures from that golf tournament, you can go on my Instagram page and I got some pictures of Bernardo Harris, uh, Leroy Butler, uh, Eugene Robinson. I saw uh, a
2: slim down Earl Dotson. Did
0: you see Earl Dotson, cuz? Looks like looks like Earl spit Earl out. Did you, you didn't see it? You don't have it. Show him Earl Dotson, what he looked like. Steve, he's smaller than you. All these offensive linemen, Macintosh, former battery he's not real But not Frank thin. Williams ain't. Frank Williams ain't.
1: Well, neither is <laughs> Mark Tosher. No,
0: Mark Tosher ain't. Mark Tosher got not, bigger. Not not Kevin Barry ain't.
1: Oh, Kevin Barry is Kevin.
0: But no. I'm telling you, Earl Dyson is smaller than the smallest. I mean, he ain't normal like normal linemen lose weight. They they do like uh, what's my guy that, that's going to be the athletic director at Wisconsin? Oh, I
1: that Macintosh? Chris McIntosh. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He he little nasty. No, come on. Yes, Macintosh is like. No, he's thinner than that. Widen it out.
2: Earl's in the blue sweater down there on the Widen side. Widen it out. On the, side. on the right side next um, to Gary. On the right next right to Right
0: side. Earl Dodson. Oh, he's a lot slimmer.
1: He's not. He's not thinner than McIntosh. He's thinner than McIntosh, Steve. Why is he wearing a see-through shirt?
2: <laughs> I mean, no, good. it's a sweater. You got to show it off. You're looking Dude, good. You got to show it off. See everything. It's see-through. It That's may right. Be, it's right. It may be a, su-
0: a sweater, but it's well, see-through. It's I didn't think it was see-through. It's definitely. It. I mean, I Let think me you want to show it <laughs> off a little bit once you once you drop a couple. You know, I didn't think it was see-through. Cups. <laughs> because you know what he, goes, you know, he says? He says, Gary, ah. Uh, That's see-through. He says, Gary, ah. Uh, it's getting kind of warm. I want to take my uh, <laughs> should I, should I, should I take my sweater off, or should I take it off? Well, either that or the sweater was you wet, and it was the, a oh, wet you T-shirt. You see, see his pecs a little bit. That's what you're saying. Yeah. He says, should I take my sweater off? I said, what? Yeah, Cuz, take your sweater off. What's wrong with your sweater? He goes, man, I got all these tattoos. I say, it's Madison's, man. It's liberal as can be in Madison. Yeah, no one's going to. The more tattoos you got, the better. You fit in right here, Cuz. <laughs> yeah, you're
2: no, no
1: problems yeah, over there you, in Madison. you have
0: no problem, Cuz. Hey, uh,
1: so I got an idea. Why don't you all have a Mike McCarthy golf tournament anyhow? What do you mean? Have it in like, I don't know, whatever. He's still here. He's yeah. still got all the ties to all the charities. They're still doing great community work in Green Bay just yeah. because he's not the Packers head coach. Yeah, I think you'd still get a ton of support for that. What do you mean? Have a Mike McCarthy golf tournament. Mike's got to have it.
2: Yeah, that's I would, what I'm saying. He I should. Oh,
0: Mike should. Yeah, no, he ain't trying to do that right now. Yeah, no, I would table run, that idea. He, he's, he's he's trying to. him. Mean, he raised a lot of money. He, he raised he did a ton. It. So he's he's trying to just. People don't realize dad how much community stuff he did. Go to basketball games and stuff like that. What he's trying to do. Mike ain't trying to do all those stuff. Look at my boy Avatar. He's ready to rock and roll, man. That's Look why. Here. That's why saddle. he has the A on his shirts for Avatar. Okay. Look at my that's what it's for. That's, that's what it's for. As <laughs> Eric, for.
2: name of the athletic, joins that's Wendy's big show. Four. Eric, good to see you. Good to talk face to face, and I'm glad you stepped into the the Lions Den here. I told you that I would. I'd bounce though. I'll stand, sit in the middle if necessary for either one of these times.
3: Oh no, this isn't a Lions Den. This is like a, a bird's nest. I'm comfortable here. Okay, like, this, is, like this, this is this
2: a nest. <laughs> I, I trust everyone. <laughs> he here. Came back
1: Right? He's back home.
2: Eric, name of the athletic, hanging out Man. with us for the first hour of the program today, talking Bucks. We'll get into some conversation that our boy Bart Winkler continually likes to uh, stir the pot up a little bit on social media. We'll get into that in the three o'clock hour. We'll also talk. Well, Bart, Bart, talk...
0: Listen. Well, Bart and don't listen to us. Here. We'll also talk about uh, the first major oh, I'm, injury. I'm on today. He's
2: listening. Yeah, I'm, he's I'm on today. He's listening. Why?
3: Why? Because I'm on. Because he loves. As, Eric soon as, as soon as I come on, people listen. Hey, how like about
1: you, this? Man. He's got a little Leroy Butler to him now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> He's
2: sitting in Leroy's seat. He, he might Leroy's as well. i as up well be him. a little bit.
0: Bart don't like you,
2: too. Eric, first off, uh, 60 win season for your first season covering the uh, team for the Athletic. Uh, was it everything that you anticipated it would be going to the Eastern Conference Finals, all but how it all ends as you saddle up that microphone over there?
3: Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I expected him to be quite this good. I, I don't think that was something I expected. I thought you know, 50 wins. This was a 50-win team to me, and to see them win 60 games is surprising. Uh, I think they, they really took to everything that Bud kind of put in much sooner than sure. I thought they would, so that part of it was surprising. But, I mean, as far as beat stuff goes, it, it was all pretty much what I expected, you know, being, a, being at hotels, not sleeping very much. like uh, That's all pretty much what I expected. So Is this
1: something you want to do for the rest of your life after having done it now for a year? Or you're like, eh, comments work might not be so bad. I don't get to travel as much.
3: Uh, I don't know. I, this is pretty fun. This is a this well,
2: is a yeah, pretty fun you year. 'cause you're a
1: really good team. It gets a lot of fun. <laughs> It's not as fun when they win 15
3: and you're
2: trying no, to like, these
1: guys who aren't happy at the world. But it, it's
2: probably better for Eric at that point if they win 15. A lot more to
3: write about at that point. I will say there was not a lot of drama on this 61 yeah. team. There, <laughs> there was not much drama to write about. So a little bit I don't, I don't want to go to 15. 15 is too, 15 too <laughs> far. Like if we yeah. say around the 40 range Like then, then you got stuff to write.
1: Yeah, 500 is good. Right around 500 there's enough negativity and enough positivity. Correct, correct. You're always busy. Alright, so let's talk about this Giannis piece here. So how did it this all come together in the athletic last night. Uh, when it came out, I read it, I was like, oh man, I got to text Eric. That was a really good piece. So did you and him kind of negotiate this? Did the athletic negotiate this with Giannis? Or how did because essentially you got the exclusivity on this whole deal throughout the playoff run with him?
3: Yeah, I mean, we didn't really talk about it. We're just at a spot now where, you know, Giannis knows that I'm gonna challenge him when I ask him stuff about missing free throws or not being able to lead his team or whatever. Like he knows that I will we'll bring it to him and be like, what's the deal? Like when he's throwing bad passes in game one and game two, like after those games, after he did his media scrum, he heard from me like, where are those passes at, man? Like you just hit Brooke Lopez in the foot. Like what's going on? So he's he's developed a, a comfort with me that he knows that I'm not, I'm not there to kiss his butt. Like I'm there to ask him what's going on. And
1: he, he seems to enjoy that. If you play your cards right, you're Brian Windhorst to Giannis for the rest of his career. I mean maybe but and then you're set. I mean so then if he goes to LA you're moving to LA. If he goes to wherever he goes, then you get to travel with him, you're on ESPN before you know it, you're a millionaire and you're done. I don't know if he's win win Horstein must be. Yeah. He's probably making a really good I, I would assume so. I would but assume yeah, he's
3: around. They got so, custom
2: suits for that big boy. He's a millionaire.
3: Yeah, for sure. No, but like we didn't really like talk about it or, or really go all that in depth about like, hey, you know, as the playoffs are going on, I want to be able to at the end of the playoffs write this article. if you about sat
1: you. on all that stuff through each series, for this piece. Correct. You so, had it the whole time.
3: So I had it the whole time, but also, like, throughout the playoffs, some of the stuff that I wrote about was from these conversations. So it was kind of picking and choosing things that ended up r- kind of relating to it. But essentially, I, we didn't really make an agreement or anything, but he was kind enough with his time. Like, before series would start, we would take about five, 10 minutes and recap the last series, and we'd take five to 10 minutes and preview the next series. So going into a series, I'd kind of have an idea of, what he's looking for, what he's thinking about, how he's trying to attack them. And then once the series was over, I could talk to him about what he did in that series, what happened in that series. So the goal was to kind of always just have a pulse of what he was thinking. And then obviously, you know, this was the goal for this was, you know, this is an NBA final story, right? Like the day one of game right. one, yeah, uh, no he- doubt. here it is, you drop it then. But, well, it, it turned into trying to figure out what what all went wrong. I'll tell you
1: something else that blew my mind. And I, I read quite a bit of The Athletic. I didn't realize y'all were, like, cool with all the swearing. Like, I, I was I, – I read it, and I was like, ooh, I don't know if Eric missed that edit. And I then I'm it. going down, like, oh, no, he missed that edit. This is on purpose. This is all in the athletics. So that's something, like, yeah, but, the website itself is totally fine with. Yeah, we're cool with profanity. Really? Yeah. It's yeah. just a subscription-based yeah, for
2: sure. piece,
3: I would imagine, right. in that I, sense, I, you I can. Had, I have had some people who are like, hey, like, <clears> is there, like, a parental option that we could, you know, like – if we do subscribe Get to the, the athletic edited version. Like which we do, like, could we do it? And I was like, honestly, I never idea. I never thought of it. But yeah, like if you have your kids reading The Athletic, which I hope you do, uh, but if you do, like, you probably don't want them to see all the F bombs uh, that that Janice was dropping. And you know, you'll still see it as F with some dashes, right. but like I, I can understand that. So it, it and it is an interesting kind of thing to talk through and think about as as a journalist. Like I thought the F bombs were very necessary in this situation because it shows, you know, a level of urgency. It shows a level of desperation, frustration from Giannis that I don't think F dash 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 does the same thing. Right. Like there is something about seeing it and being like, oh, okay. Like he he is really feeling this. So uh, I I tend to think it's important, but you know, I think there's good debates on each mm-hmm. side of it.
2: Eric Name joining the Wendy's Big Show here for the full first hour. If you guys want to read this piece that we are mentioning and discussing right here, it's called Giannis Atetakumbo Unplugged, Buck star recaps and sounds off about his playoff performance and team's tough finish. You can also find it at 1057FMTheFan.com and 1057FMTheFan's Twitter page. It's linked up there. Gary Ellerson, C Sparky, 5 I'm Bill Schmidt, Baby Tausch. Eric, one thing before the break that I, that I really thought was cool about it, and we'll dive into the full ambiance of, of what the, the story does and, and details through the run, was the leadership that Giannis was able to show and then portray with just something as simple as the number on the board I thought was really, really cool to start off with.
3: Yeah, and, and it was interesting because I, I was shocked after game one against the Pistons to see 15 on the board. Like, that was something I, like... I was, that, they didn't do that under Jason. Like, I knew they didn't do that under Jason because they were just trying to win a series. But when, when I saw 15 on the board after they beat the, the Pistons the first game, I was like, okay, I want to dig around on this. Like, I want to figure out whose idea it was. Who thought this was a good idea? Because so often you you just say day by day, right? Like you want to win day by day. We're just going to win today. We're going to go one and all today, but the bucks were putting up 15. They were putting up 14, 13, 12. They got down to six eventually, but they found it important that this is how we're, this is how we're going to approach the playoffs. Like we have 16 wins to get. We don't have one win to get today. We have 16 to get total. And to me, it was kind of surprising. And I mean, that's why I kind of poked Giannis about it and, it, you could kind of, when I asked him about it, you could kind of see the pride in him swell up when he was like, yeah, I'm the guy that writes it every day. Like mm-hmm. you see, you th- they're going to see their leader go up there, write it. He's like, I'm not going to cheerlead. I'm not going to sit here and say, Oh, we got eight more guys. Like, here we go. But he's going to, I'm going to go up there. I'm going to write it. I'm going to sit back down and we're going to get back to business. And it was just like, Okay, that that's an approach that was not here under Jason Kidd. They were just trying to get out of the first round.
2: That's a leadership quality, Gary. That I think I kind of learned from my man George too. Actually, oh, George over at Bullfroding Beer.
3: He Yo, saw, Big you
2: know, George! Big George, yeah, Yo, big, big George is the one that gave me that tie off his off his neck. That's All what I good people swear do. He
0: looks like your daddy. It could well, it Don't look like <laughs> it, but it looks like you guys could be daddies couple For of real. just true Beauforting guys. That's what it looks like. couple I of just mean, true like Beauforting dudes. That kindred spirit kind of a deal, you know?
2: Beauforting <laughs> beer guys, a premium quality beer dude, superior ingredients, only superior. 100% natural barley hops, and the freshest spring water used in production, plus over 250 years, guys. They've been doing this family-owned in the country of Luxembourg since 1764. They've been crafting their brews to achieve the pinnacle of drinkability and smoothness. Everything in the lineup from the crisp Pilsner, available in cans, the Smooth Triple Ale, which is 8% A B B. V by volume. The delicious fruit ale, the Balanced Brune, which ends up coming up at 7.2, so make sure that you're keeping a little bit more track on that six-pack. They're all designed to give you the full flavor that's not going to fill you up. Guys, a little secret about Beauforting Beer, unlike the other imports that you're drinking, it's not owned by a gigantic corporation. It's not made in these big mass quantities. You don't need to put a piece of fruit in it to taste good. Beauforting is good because it's made in small batches with a personal family touch. Don't just take my word for it or anybody else here on the Big Show. Go try some out for yourself. Grab a six-pack at Total Wine & More in Brookfield or Greenfield, Sendix Fine Foods, any auto's location, and it's fresh on tap at Cafe Hollander, Cafe Benelux, Nomad, and Sport Club. And as always, tweet me a picture of your boffering. Let boffering Bill know where you're having your boffering, so I can come and have a boffering on you. Boffering is Milwaukee's favorite smooth drinking import. It's the Wendy's Big Show. We'll talk to Adam McAlvey later in the 4 o'clock hour. Right now, it's Eric, name of the athletic. Wendy's big show 1057 FM The Fan. We got chances at a thousand bucks at two, three, four, five, and six. The last chance. Last
0: chance. That's right. Is done it is the last chance.
2: Ooh, man. So can I still not win? We didn't clear that through legal yet. No, you can't win. Yeah, you got
0: some you got some car issues on here. I got
2: some car issues. I got yeah. some student loan issues. I got some some other issues, a Kawhi bro, Leonard keeps costing student, me money. Bro, you
0: knew about student loans, it's the, the crop up, the pop up stuff that gets you. Right,
2: yeah, it's the the pop up or the or the rock through the window that gets yeah. you. The the Kawhi Leonard yeah. continues. Siakam like decides that. to go off for thirty two last night when you what, what got the see, Warriors giving getting one and a half. But you know, either way, that works out. Eric, name of the athletic, is joining us here for the first hour on the Wendy's Big Show. His piece up at the Athletic Wisconsin right now. You can find a link to it at 1057FM. The fans' Twitter page, Giannis Atetokounmpo unplugged. Buckstar sounds off about his playoff performance and the team's tough finish. Eric, as the article continues to to morph into something bigger, I, I just kind of wanted to focus as we will go through it kind of step by step, like you did as it goes series by series. Giannis really did take that Detroit series uh, differently with Thon Maker, but it it seemed like it was a learning curve for him playing against somebody in that intense of a situation, that intense of a series, that he had that kind of personal connection to.
3: I I do. That was the funniest thing to me was, like, when we finally figured out that it was the Pistons, right? So (laughs) last night of the year, find out that it's Pistons, I walk up to him, and I'm like, boy, you're in trouble. And Giannis looks at me and goes, what? Trouble? And I was like, you got to play playoff fun. And he laughed, and he he smiled at me real quick, and then – you could tell pretty quickly he realized he's like, oh, this is going to be tough. Like, this is not going to be fun. Like, I love that dude. And now I have to, you know, I have to go at him and I have to, I have to kill him. And he did. He crushed him in that whole series. And then uh, to me, the funny thing about the Pistons series was after that series, I'm talking with him and I, I said something to the effect of like, you know, like how does that first like playoff series win? And he like, he's like, yeah, it's great. And I was like, you know, it was just the Pistons. Like, like, Does it really feel that good? Like, does it really feel that? Like, come on, it's the Pistons. And he just looks at me, he's like, oh, oh my God, what what are you talking about? Yes, it feels amazing. It's incredible. Like, he's like, people are so happy. He's like, if this is what a playoff win feels like, just a playoff win, he's like, I can't imagine what a championship feels like. And at that moment, I think we so often take for granted what guys are feeling when they get a playoff series win against a team like the Pistons, who are terrible. Yeah, because the fans were like, Mm -hmm. okay,
1: that was nice, but let's move on to a real series. Yeah,
3: like, let's move on to a real series. But Giannis was legitimately like, that was amazing. That feeling is amazing. And in that moment, I was just like, okay. So, like, now he kind of understands what this feels like. And obviously, it's only going to intensify as you go through the Celtics, the Raptors, if you get to a finals. So, like, you could kind of tell it was one of those things where – it's just going to be another thing to add to his addictions, like where he's like, "I got to be a better basketball player. I got to be a better husband, or a boyfriend, family member, like all that stuff." Like in his head, you could tell, like, "Oh, I want, I want this again. Like, I, I want to keep winning playoff series." Mm-hmm. And you could tell that e- even against the Pistons, who are who are terrible, mm-hmm. he he felt it, and it was like, "Okay, all right." Like I wasn't quite sure that that you actually feel it when you blow out some garbage team, but they <laughs> they do.
1: Like it's a real thing. You know, and that's the other thing when you read this piece on the athletic, and he talks about that game one against Boston and how physical Horford was, and he wasn't expecting it. He's like, okay, we're gonna play this physical, fine, I'll play this physical. Uh, and then he talks about game two and game three, uh, and then they make the adjustment. Uh, and once they decided that Horford wasn't gonna go on him, he realized he won. Yeah, that Horford can't deal with this. He doesn't want to deal with this. I win. And I mean, we don't win the series, but I win my matchup. Game over. He pretty, they pretty much took him out of the matchup. That had to make him feel great. Well,
3: because I told him, so after game three, that was one of the conversations that we had between game three and game four. I pulled him aside and I was like, all right, I got a theory. And he was like, all right, tell me what your theory is. And I told him, I said, games one and games two, you went up against Horford. You figured out that he was never going to flop. You figured out that you were just as strong as him, if not stronger. And he had about 10 years on him. And as soon as you knew that, Game three happened, and you were putting your shoulder into him every time, and you were dunking on him. You weren't shooting layups anymore. Like, you were going to dunk on him. And he, he looks at me, he's like, Eric, I know what happens in these situations. I tell you something, you go write an article, and then everyone knows what I'm thinking. So I'm not, I, I can't tell you <laughs> anything about what I'm thinking right now in this series. And as soon as he said that, I was like, okay, so I was You're right. right. I was, I was right. I was yeah. right. <laughs> and then uh, once the series happened, that was obviously when we had another conversation, and it gets done. And I was like, was I right? And he was like, yeah, 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 you were. And then he, he he obviously broke it down like right. like he did in the article. And But that's why the, the Raptors series was so surprising to me because I remember thinking back to game one after the Celtics and thinking, that's pretty tough defense. Like, I, I don't know how they're going to adjust. I don't know if they're going to get any better against this. Like, how is Giannis going to deal with it? And, well, game you two, did. he was better. And then game three, yep. it was like, I got this. I, I figured it out. I see all the chess pieces. So, when the Raptors go game one and game two, he figures it out. He's just fine. They switch it up. All their coverages in game three and game four. I'm like, alright, that's him figuring it out. I was expecting monster game five. Like, alright, I've figured it all out. I know how I'm going to beat this. He didn't have the answer. Like, So, th- that's why this this playoffs to me is so interesting because, like you said, in the Boston series, he could figure it out. Like he He knew that, hey, I'm stronger than Al Horford. He had this this quote that was like, My back was hurting after game three, but I knew if my hurt back was yeah. hurting, I know damn sure his back is hurting. Yeah. And I was like, Yeah, quote. yeah, yeah, I, yeah, he's old. Like,
0: <laughs> and <laughs> you don't, and as a player, I'm speaking from a player standpoint, as a player, you don't know what the other guy's feeling. Yeah. I mean, you, you know what your pain level is, right? But you don't know how much pain that you're inflicting. On the other guy, we had this uh, a play called the ISO block where the running back just goes full speed and he blocks the inside linebacker, okay? We were doing some – Brian Noble was a middle linebacker. And we, I mean, it was just a stupid drill, but anyway, we had to do it. So we go ISO. Bam! We hit heads. Now, oh, my God. And, you know, we go back and then two other guys go. We come back. I get Noble again. He's standing right in the hole. Bam! You know, we hit each other. And it's more, it's, it's it's really like, more like a, a stalemate, but we're hitting yeah. each other really hard so we can, we can go. We go up in the locker room. I says, and and normally guys don't because your teammates now you can't. But normally guys don't talk because you don't want to give away. Sure. That I go, dude. Am, am I am I am I hurting you? <laughs> Are you feeling this <laughs> at <laughs> all? <laughs> Are you? Yeah. He goes, oh man, yeah. That that you goes you 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 hit me pretty hard. That that hurt. <laughs> he goes, next time let's just tone it down just a little bit. And so from his standpoint, yes. And this is the whole this is the whole thing I was trying to the point I was making about Giannis early in the year, I says when you're starting to go series and you're playing every other game and you're pounding like he's pounding, that is going to take a toll on your body. You just you just can't do yep. it. For that one guy, you just can't do it. So you go through the Detroit series, you figure it out, you up the game up, but, you, but your game is still your same game. Your game really ain't changed to a finesse game. That's all you know yep. is how to go through a joker. Then you get to the 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 Boston, and that was a little bit – it stressed you out just a little bit yep. more. Then now how much do I have left to go – because now you're getting better each time you go, right? Now you're up to any – the teams are getting better, but – Yeah, and I mean, like I was shocked. So to, this is two days after, right? When you were saying to us, the whole point is him just running through Jokers just doesn't get it on that level there's only so much that you can do
3: and and i was shocked so uh, obviously there in the story there's a bunch of f-bombs and i I thought you know like he's just gonna be really frustrated and then we're having this talk two days after the season and he he says something to me about that where he's just like you know man like I, i at the start of the year year five to year six i put on seven pounds and i was just like I'm the most dominant dude in the league. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go dunk on everyone. There Mm -hmm. was a couple of profanities in there, but I'm going to go do that. he felt like that, I'm Mm -hmm. sure. And and that's what he felt like. Mm -hmm. And then he said that, you know, once they got to this series, he realized that you can only do that to a point. Mm -hmm. At at some point, you have to find something else. You have to have something else because if the only shots you're shooting are dunks and three-pointers and you're taking out the mid-range game, what do you lean on when everyone says, hey, you can't dunk anymore? I, isn't you, that
1: what this coaching staff wanted? Was it, getting no, rid of the mid-range game, Chris Middleton, and let's shoot threes, and Eric Bledsoe let's shoot threes. Wasn't that what the belief of this coaching staff was, was how they were going to win?
3: It definitely was, but I think what, what kind of happened, and it, it was shocking to me that just two days after, he could have these type of thoughts and not just be like, he
1: was listening and, and to and the fresh- big show, and Gary, Gary's been saying <laughs> this the whole series.
0: No, but I, I think, Steve, and you have, if, if you were coaching Steve, I mean, Steve was your player, you can't let Steve know that everything is black and white. Just because I say this is my belief, this is what I want you to do, doesn't mean that you cannot take a mid-range shot. I don't think they're telling Middleton, don't take that shot. At the beginning of the year, that was the
1: con- – correct me if I'm wrong. No, it
0: was. That's exactly what they told Middleton. I, I know, I know. but I, Middleton was not happy. I I, I think – just me, just me. I And this is the way I would coach it. You're always going to overcoach it, but there's no way that you're – and you have to take all this grain of salt. There's no way as you're coming down the court, and you're open on the mid range. Do you step back out yeah. and take the three? The classroom can only be the
2: classroom to an extent. Like you have to understand that there's going to be a variable in game. You know that,
0: right. as, a, as a player, I do mm-hmm. absolutely. I, I mean, because I, I mean, I understand, and I think as a coach, as a coaching staff, I think they got to know that too. I don't think they say, "Don't take the mid range." Be- I, I, I just, I just think you can't. If they're coaching like that, I'm gonna say it right now, Steve, they're wrong. Okay. Maybe I... They they're playing wrong if you're coaching a guy to be one dimensional and if they're giving you the mid range, they're running you off the three, there's nothing you can do but they're giving you the mid range and you're steady. This is like just boom, boom. That's right. You, exactly. You, if that's what then they're wrong. I agree. You're know I'd like totally to totally wrong.
1: Eric's the numbers guy. You're not, I'm not.
0: But I, I would love to see
1: where they are around the NBA team-wise as far as mid-range jumpers, 15, to 18 feet or whatever else, where they rank amongst the rest of the teams because that was their philosophy. Like you said, though, once you're in a game, hey, you got to do what you got to do. But that was the philosophy coming into the season. Just wondering how it held up. Like, are the Bucks in the middle of the pack with mid-range jumper attempts? Are they last? And that's where they wanted to be. How did that all stack up? I don't know. It, it was about
3: that. It, it was pretty close. I think in the end of the year, it was like 27th in mid range. Yep. So like, they were at the free, bottom frequency. So they really did get it to a spot where it was like, "Hey, we're going to shoot the second most threes of anyone in the league, and we got Giannis, and we're going to be at the rim
0: more than they anyone else." The in the... Pain
3: and shot a bunch of threes. Mm-hmm. And, and really, like,
0: obviously, I'll just say this not Go ahead. get back to this. I'm not seeing, Steve that that's not what they want to do. I mean, they want oh, to. I understand more what you're teams. saying. Yeah, you're they...
1: saying as a player though, you have to adjust. If it's there, take it.
0: Yeah. Right. But. but... As, yeah, at the, end, at the end of the day, this is our goal. This is what we want to do. We want to shoot more threes. Yes, that's what they want to do. So,
1: Gary, if you're Boone you look at the numbers. Mm-hmm. Season's done. Say you're 27th or 28th mm-hmm. in the NBA mid-range shots. Mm-hmm. Do you rethink what you thought before the season? And now maybe encourage it a little bit more than you did prior, especially after reading uh, Giannis's comments with Eric talking about he wants to incorporate that mid-range game more in his game, or do you still
0: continue to hammer threes or paint? I still continue to hammer my my what I believe in. But with the thought of if they're running me off the three point line, my guy's gotta step in and take a shot. You gotta be able to adjust. I mean I I just don't know, I I just think if they are doing that, I just think it's wrong to coach that way. If you're telling a guy do not take the mid-range, do not take the mid-range. I mean,
1: you, I, you have a philosophy, yes. Because defensively, isn't it, Eric, they want to push the defensive team
0: Is it
3: mid-range shots? Correct. So that's what they're trying to do defensively. And I, I think what they learned in this series, uh, what, they, what they learned against the Raptors, is that we want to play a certain way, right? We want to right. shoot threes, we want to get to the rim. Yeah. That's great. But during the regular season, we have to g- let guys get reps at other things. Mm-hmm. Like Giannis said, right. hey, I knew, I knew what shot I needed to take. I, I knew the answer. I just didn't have the confidence to shoot it, right. And, yeah. and, and that's the big thing is that if he doesn't have the confidence to go to that other shot, if he doesn't have another shot other than a dunk or the three, he's got to find something in the middle in the middle of all of that, whether it's a hook shot, whether it's a turnaround fadeaway, whether it's a step back jumper, whatever it may be, he's got to find something in there. And that's what he said. He's like, that's how I close games. Like, that's how I have to close games, is they're not going to let me get a dunk. They're not from the three point line. I don't have the confidence. That's not a good shot for me. So I got to find something else. And I think that'll be the big adjustment that they make over the
2: offseason. It's a huge learning curve that he was able to go through. And really there's was. no learning curve when they're putting in windows over at Pella right Windows and Doors.
0: Pella Windows and Doors, Wisconsin, best windows and doors out there. Pella has nine different lines to choose from. Go to PellaWI.com to start the process, and right now they're offering 0% down, 0% financing for 18 months, no payment until June of 2020. Guys, experience the Pella difference. When you work with Gina Della from Pella, you work with her and her entire team. Guys, they're they're there to make your job run smoothly, and they install year-round. So call them today, folks, at 262-783-6600. That's 262-783-6600. 600. Go to PelloWI.com. Ask for the zero down, zero financing, zero payments for 18 months. Folks, that's free money. And tell Gina Della from Pello Windows and Doors of Wisconsin that Gary and Leroy sent you.
2: Show, 105.7 FM, The Fan. Gary Ellerson, C. Sparky Fifer, on Bill Schmidt, Baby Tausch. Joining us in studio for the whole first hour is Eric Name. He writes at The Athletic for the Milwaukee Bucks. We're talking about him right now, and I mean, like, his piece up at The Athletic right now about Giannis Etetokounmpo and the unfinished business that he knows that he has after this year. Giannis is fully entrusting in you, Eric. I think that's one thing. I know Gary and I talk about it a lot when we were down in, in Phoenix, Gary, where, where you can see... Like, Adam McAlvey's been covering the Brewers for, for almost 20 years, yeah. and there are guys in the locker room that look at Adam and know that they're going to ask him a legitimate question, but he's also not going to slash what they're saying to make a narrative. Like, they're going to portray their comments in a way that is going to be him.
0: consumable. you yeah, trust him. Well, trust him, too.
2: Right. That's the biggest thing, that right. they're going to trust the writer because you're not going to get guys dropping F-bombs if, if you're, <laughs> there's not a level of trust that you're going to feel with that let, guy.
0: Let, let, when we go back to the Toronto series Check. that you wrote in this article, when he thought that he felt like he needed a mid-range game, When did, how did he come about saying that to you? How, how did that happen? Uh, honestly, it came
3: pretty quickly. Like, as we were talking about it, and, you know, I, so during exit interviews, I, I asked him about, you know, what went wrong during that series? Like, how do you try to improve? And he, immediately he goes, you know, I was learning so much in that series. He's like, I was going to one of the assistant coaches, Ben Sullivan, is like his guy. Mm-hmm. He's like, I went over to Ben and I was like, I'm getting better, man. He's like, I'm getting better right now. Like, in this game, I'm getting better. And I heard him say it, and I was like, what on earth are you talking about? Like what? Like, I don't even know what that means. Mm-hmm. So that was the first question I'd asked him after I pulled him aside. And we talked about it a little bit more. And the big thing he said was just like, you know, I found myself throughout that entire series, looking across and seeing Quad Leonard. And he was like, really? he was like, I would look at Kawhi and he was like, and when I'm catching the ball, he's like, I'm out by the three point line. Uh, I'm at the post. I'm at the other post. I'm at the free throw line. He's like, and everywhere I go, there's either if I'm at the three point line, there's five defenders in front of me. Oh. Or if I'm at any of those spots, there's three defenders around me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, and I was trying to go through them. I was trying to go this way. I was trying to go that way. It just felt like someone was always there. And he's like, and then I would look over at Kawhi, and Kawhi would catch it. He'd be in the mid range. He'd face up, and he'd just look. And there was everybody. He saw everyone in front of him. He saw where everyone was, and, and he, he was took patient. That shot. He was just, he was calm. He was collected, and he knew what he wanted to do because he knew where his spots were and he knew how he could get to his spots. No matter what those defenders were doing, he knew that he could get to those spots. And he's like, and I just looked over there and I was like, that's what I got to do. Like, it's I, like I, he I,
0: looked at it and a light came on.
3: Correct. So Unbelievable. So like in that moment, he was just like, that's gotta be me. And in the article I, I had clipped, there's like, there's five plays in game six, five shots that he took that all look exactly like that, where he sees the floor. He knows that he's not going to get to the basket. And, you know, he extends the shoulder, takes a step back, and he's got like 10 feet of space. Bricks it. Yeah. He's got another one where he goes to the baseline, step back, another spot. 10, ten feet of space between him and the f- defender. Bricks it. He's got a couple runners. Bricks them. And in that moment, like, I, I rewatched the game after he told me that's what he was thinking, and I was like, he knew. Like, he knew that those were the shots that he needed. But, but he, 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 he couldn't can
0: hit him. Couldn't hit him. But yeah.
3: but after he said it, I was like, "Oh, I how did I not pick up on this?" Like he mm-hmm. was already doing it. Like mm-hmm. he saw Kawhi do it on the other end, and then he mm-hmm. said, that's "All what right, that's what I got to do." But he Next didn't ha- he, he yeah. didn't have that this year. Mm-hmm. But this year he so now when I mean, as we I mean. talked through it, he was
0: like, "He's like this whole summer." But you could see it though. Yeah. I mean, you can see as these series got closer. I mean, each team as it got closer and close, he just had no answer. I mean, yeah. just bully ball running through people. Now I've I always said this is Steve. Shaq could do that. Shaq could run through Jokers. Because Shaq came out the womb that big. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Giannis is more of a made-up version into what that. I mean, he had to work real hard, get that big. Some guys just big bone it, and that's what they – and Shaq could – so all this – we got enamored because Shaq would say, Oh, he's baby Shaq, or he reminds me of me. And I was saying to myself, He does not remind me of Shaq. I mean, Shaq is a powerful man. Yeah. That didn't even really work out. Yeah. Just, that was just, that pure, was that yeah. was just pure Shaq. Country so, strong. Country strong. Oh, he is country strong. And I just, I never really got that comparison that Shaq was trying to make with him. Uh, I could get the physicality of it. But he was never going to be that dominant that way like Shaq was.
3: Yeah, I mean, to me, the tough part is, like, so this year he took 66% of his shots at the rim. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a huge, huge percentage. It's, it's an insane percentage, but exactly. Like, he knows, and like I said, there's there, he has a quote where he's like, you know, I put on seven pounds, and I knew I could do this the entire right. year. He's like, but then I started thinking about it, and I was like, man, if I do that every night, like, He's like, I look at I look at LeBron. I look at Kevin Durant. I look at Kawhi Leonard. He's like, he looked at me and said, Do you ever do you ever realize how they start the season? And I was like, typically pretty slow. And he was like, Do you see how I started the season? And I was like, not slow. And he was like, he's like, I he's like, I can't. He's like, I was running through a wall. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah. And and he was like, and he's like, I'm just going from the start. And he was like, so to me, it's like I'm in a marathon. And I'm the guy at the start of the marathon that sprints the first 10, 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden, I don't have any energy the rest of the way. But Those guys are steady, 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 and then accelerating. And it's like, okay, so you can, and again, this is what shocked me, was that two days after the season, he, he wasn't he wasn't sad. He was already thinking like, all right, how do I, how do I get better next year? And that's one of the ways. Like, I, I can't put that, I can't put all of that on my body that often. Like, I got to find a different way.
1: But I think he's missing something in all yeah. of this. And, and first of all, let me just say this. If you question how smart Giannis was, that's done after reading this piece in The Athletic. It's all done because he shows you how smart he is as he's breaking this down mentally. Okay, But what I would say back to Giannis after he said what he says in that piece and what you kind of just reiterated was this. But there's a difference, Giannis. Yeah, you're right. You're going harder than the rest of these guys during the season. But you're also playing less minutes than these guys all season. Boonholzer had his minutes in check throughout the year. These other superstars are playing 40 minutes. This dude's playing like 30, 34 minutes. And a lot of it was because they were blowing teams out, so yeah. that was part of it. But his minutes were in check all year. I would imagine, again, without looking up the numbers, that he probably had played the least amount of minutes versus the other nine top superstars in the league would be you my guess easily. You don't need to check. you don't. Right? Yeah. Easily. Yes. So, I mean, from that perspective, well, so, yes, you're going harder, but you're also playing less because your coach is watching out for you. Yeah, is but it, you, and,
0: if you think – so who are the nine superstars you, you're just off top of your head? I just picked – I picked his number. Uh, Kevin Durant, LeBron, okay. Steph Curry. LeBron. Okay, so – Kawhi. He is actually minutes or less, but body pain is higher than those guys. See, because and, of the way he plays, oh, probably minutes or less. Sure. But wear and tear on his body is higher than Durant, is higher than Curry because of how he has to score. But I mean, higher I, than Leonard because he doesn't have that mid-range game. Right, is higher prior than any other guy that you could think of. His wear and tear is higher than any of those guys, but minutes or less. It, so he he might as well be playing forty-five minutes. And then this also comes into after
3: after Game Six. I I sit right in front of Mike Boonholzer and I say, Giannis played forty minutes tonight." Do you regret not have him out there for the start of the fourth quarter when you lost the lead? And he goes, well, you know, probably always, can't go. He's like, you know, we're always worried about having peak Giannis, and we feel like if if he's not at his peak, he shouldn't be out there. And that, like that, all of this together is what we're talking about, mm-hmm. right? Like the fact that you're taking that beating, and yes, you are not playing him as much. But because he takes that beating, it feels just the same. It feels just, it, it, the, same. It feels yeah. just the same. So the you you got to
0: But the the wear and tear is because he's over just the going. Top. He's that's going he's into got. that wall over and over and
3: over again. So, like I said, that's why I agree with you, Spark. Like the fact that if you, you can't at this point, you can't say like this guy's just a dunker. Like. He very clearly thinks the game at a mm-hmm. very high level. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that af- two days after he's not moping around, he's not. Ah, oh,
0: you know, I should have well, dunked on all these fools. That's, that's the kind of guy he is. Correct. He's going to get better. Here's here's my here's my next plocket. Your what? Plocket? No uh, Here's my next thing I'm going to talk about. Young. <laughs> things a good word Don't that think. I think is going to happen to him. Yeah. Here's what he's going to see next. Hopefully, I wasn't supposed to dump that. I was going to say proclamation.
3: Okay, I like Ooh, that. Okay, that, that
0: works. Here's what's going to happen to him next. People are going to go back and look and they're going to look at Toronto and they're going to start drafting players like what Toronto has to beat him. <laughs> so, it happens. No, he talked about it. it happens he, all the time. He you, said you start now if when you have a guy that's dominant, now guys go back and say, "Okay, when they're drafting now, if I, I got to go against Giannis. What, if I got to go through him to get to the finals, what guy I need yeah. to beat this guy? I said this a long time ago, similar to Julio Jones. I said, folks, they just went, the, the, the Atlanta Falcons went and got Julio Jones because they thought they needed to score more points to beat the Green Bay Packers. Well, it happened like four or five years later. But now what's going to start happening because he's such a dominant figure, what players that these other teams not going to draft that they know that can defend him? To be fair, Toronto
3: has a ridiculous defensive personnel. You're looking, they do. At, you're looking at they showed it last night. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, like you're looking at defensive player, former defensive player of the year, Marcus Saul. You're looking at maybe the best defender in the planet in Kawhi Leonard. You're looking at a former All Defensive Wing in Danny Green. You're looking at uh, one of the best defensive point guards in the league in Kyle Lowry, uh, and then Pascal Siakam, who at some point in his life is definitely going to be All Defense because he's going to find he, himself on that list because no he's all over the place. So mm-hmm. they have that personnel, but. You're 100% right, because when Giannis and I were talking through it a little bit, he said that this entire summer, no matter what he does, he's going to see Marcus Gasol, mm-hmm. and he's going to see Kawhi Leonard right behind him. So mm-hmm. no matter, And then he was like, and he's like, if you think through it, he's like, the Sixers, they can put Ben Simmons on me, and Embiid can be the double-teamer. Mm-hmm. If you look at the Indiana mm-hmm. Pacers, Thaddeus Young can be on mm-hmm. me, Miles Turner can be the double-team. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's how teams are going to cover me, so that's what I have to beat.
0: And right. I was like... Yeah, it's true. It, it, like, and, and those other teams are going to start getting better. Correct. Players drafting. Yes. That can play. That are longer.
2: Well, it's similar to how John break. Hammond made this team. In his That's mind, was because Golden State had become the dominant figure exactly. five years ago. We exactly. have to find a way to beat them at their own game.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, these are the
2: Jordan rules, except the Giannis rules. Pretty like much. this That's is this happened. is what people That's are going to do.
3: Happened
0: yes.
2: Eric Name joining us Love from The it. Athletic here on 105.7 FM, The Fan, the Wendy's Big Show. When you get to this point, Eric, is there any doubt in your mind of if it's going to be mid-range, if it's going to be the post-move that becomes the the go-to thing that we see next year?
3: To me, I I think with as much as he has the ball in his hands and as much as he's tacking from outside, it's got to be a mid-range. Like He's got to find a way to dribble into a look because that's how he can counter what they're going to do to him. Because right now, he starts at the three-point line. They try to push him out as far as possible. They try to take away the Euro step. And when they do that, he doesn't have a counter. So the only way that you can counter that is to have a move off the dribble. So he, he's gonna have to find something off the dribble that he can do and counter everything that everyone has prepared for prepared for at this point. Because in the post, teams are just gonna double him. Right. Like, like we saw it against the Raptors. Like they're just gonna send the guy on the double. And it doesn't matter how many post moves you have if they're sending a double because you got to get the ball out of your hands. Like you, it's really tough to go through one. Like unless you're a Kemalajuan, like you're not going through a double or Shaq as well. Like, right. Unless you're one of those dudes, you're not going through a double. Like you got to find a way to get out of the double and get
1: something good for your team. So, uh, to me, it's got to be a mid ranger. All right, let's let's talk about uh, something that wasn't in the article that people are just going all crazy about with you on Twitter, and that is Chris Middleton because. He has the lightning rod of this organization. The summertime is coming. How much they're going to pay him. Can they keep Middleton? Can they keep Brooke Lopez? Uh, Can they keep Brogdon? Can they keep all three of them? Um, And do you think they will keep all three of them and probably end up in the luxury tax?
3: I'll do you one better. They're going to keep all four. I'm going to add George Hill to the mix. They're going to keep Middleton, Brogdon, Lopez, and Hill.
1: Not at 18000000 million. They'll keep them all. Like, I don't know what the numbers are going to be. I mean, be. They can, they're can they going to release Middleton, the $1 million buyout first, right, to clear that money, and then bring him back. Yes. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Right?
3: Oh, yeah. Before no.
1: people start freaking out, like, oh my God, they're not taking him back at $18 million. No. No, no, They're no, no, going to no. take the $1 million buyout, clear that cash base, Correct. and then renegotiate a new deal to bring him back. Yes. I love that move. I yeah. love George Shaw. I think he's huge for this locker and,
3: room. And I think what they can do is, if you renounce Nikola Mirtich, who I, I think in they the will. postseason has has shown that he doesn't maybe fit as right. a postseason player. Yeah. You renounce him, then you have money underneath the cap that you can sign Brooke Lopez, then you can use an exception on George Hill, and then as high as Chris needs to go, you can go as high as you need to go there, and as high as Brogdon needs to go, you can go as high as you need to go there. My only concern is Malcolm Brogdon. I I, I don't know what his number is. I have no idea.
1: I, I don't uh, even have a good guess at it. I, my guess is around 15. If Middleton got 14 the last time, I think Brogden's around fifteen would be my guess, and again, but, if he gets to twenty or more, that's that's awfully rich. But it, but if you're his agent, you're, you're going to get as much as you can. You're going to go back
3: to the summer of 2016. You're going to say Alan Crab got eighteen. Yep. Malcolm's getting eighteen. Sure, sure. So at point, I think you get to eighteen, and that's about the number
1: where I feel very confident that you match.
3: Once you get above that number,
1: it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Ooh. But the problem is, it's more uncomfortable to think about what are they going to do if he walks. Then what? What's your next move? Sterling Brown is your two? Dante DiVincenzo is your two? You're going to have to hope on uh, internal improvement. That, <laughs> that's that, what I'm that's, saying. That's what it's going mean, to have to be. If he walks, who's, who's your other guard in the starting lineup? I, I like George Hill off the bench. I'm not sure I'm starting George Hill. But I mean that I'm okay with. The, the, again, the problem is, and he's one of your smarter basketball players that you have out there. Cerebral, doesn't let mm-hmm. emotions really get to him. I think he's kind of a leader amongst those guys, too.
3: Hey. He can he can be counted on. There there's no doubt about that. In in the toughest moments, Malcolm Brogdon can be counted on. And I really do think I said it at the time when they signed the extension. But I said, Eric Bledsoe signed that extension is the sign of someone scared to make a whole lot more money. Because if you thought you could make more money and you thought you could perform in the postseason, you could have got a twenty million dollar per year deal.
1: Unless he's sick of losing, he's lost his whole career. Maybe. I mean, that could be it. Or also he knew uh, he's not gonna get as much may- as he maybe thought. Maybe the
3: playoffs ain't so good for me.
1: Maybe, yeah, maybe maybe that's
3: not the best thing for me because if he's a free agent now after that postseason it hurts two him. years in a row, yep. he ain't getting seventeen million a year.
2: No doubt. The also, the... He also was able to cushion himself from he was the healthiest he's probably been in his entire that career this year. Yeah. So I,
3: I thought initially his range could have been if it got all the way to the to the end of the postseason, if he had a bad postseason, it could have gone down to twelve. If he had a great postseason, could gone up to twenty twenty two, agreed. He picked the middle spot, it's and and it's brilliant. But also, who's his agent? Rich Paul. You know who's not afraid of making some money? Rich Paul. The only time he signs an extension is when he knows, eh, we should probably sign this extension. Right. We got to make early. some money here. We, we let, let's let's lock this money in because we're not so sure. And uh, again. When it signed, I I mentioned those two things. It was that this is a sliding scale that Bledsoe could go in a number of different ways. For the Bucks, it's pretty safe at 17. It would have been even better at 12. And now, I mean, you had to bench him by the end of of that series. Like right. th- there were times where it was like Bledsoe can't be on the floor. That's a problem. <laughs> that is a, a big, big problem. problem. Especially when you have a guy like Giannis who isn't great from three. You you can't give away a spot on the floor to a non shooter. You, you just can't do it. And You did it against the Raptors. Siakam got to hang out in the lane, and it got real ugly. He's got to get better. Middleton's
2: got to get better. You said as high as they have to go for Chris. Yeah. That's exponential.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think think he ends up below the max, but it'll be awfully close. Like, I, I don't think he ends up getting a full max in the end, but I think it'll be just below. Because when you look at the teams that are out there, there's some crummy teams, and Atlanta, I, as as you mentioned, Sparky. Uh, Somebody's got to play for the Nets. It's, uh, yes, but also Eric Bledsoe. You know he's lost his whole career. Yeah. Chris has been in a 15 win season before. Yep. He he knows what that feels like. So I think there's at least a part of him that's gonna be like, you know, the max offers I'll like the the big offers I'll take. Could, could it be a playoff team, See, Brooklyn? Might... Could you do it? Indiana? Could you do it? Maybe he thinks about those two. But I feel like if the Phoenixes of the world come around, the Atlanta's of the world,
1: he doesn't want to do that again. My my feeling on Middleton has always been the same that I think he thinks he can be a one in an offense somewhere else and he wants to prove that he can be that guy if he gets 20 shots a game or whatever the case may be and I think he thinks he can do it and that is has got to be some of the internal battle within him of if I stay here I'm never going to get to show how good I really can be because I'm going to be kind of held down by Giannis having to be the guy and I have to accept that but I may get a championship ring or two out of it if I go to say Atlanta and I take the money I may never see a championship but i will be a perennial all-star and put myself in a better position as how as, as, as how his history looks at me as a scorer and so forth.
3: That's it's, kind of it, where he's at. I yeah. mean, I think as as a human being trying to make that decision, it's a big one. Whew. That those are two things that I think as as a man playing basketball, you want to prove both those things, mm-hmm. right? Like I want a ring, man. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to say that I have one. I'm a winner. Right, right. But also you guys have to stop disrespecting me and saying those are tough pulls.
1: That isn't that is yeah. uh, whew. That's tough stuff. But if you think if you think if you think you get criticized here, you go to another market for all that and money you're the number one, yeah. and then you don't produce, oh, don't. good luck. Yeah. I mean, now Atlanta would be perfect cuz they don't really watch sports in Atlanta, but <laughs> in most other communities yeah. where it is sports driven, he's going to hear it if he doesn't produce.
2: And no, if, I agree. but Gary, the thing is you don't need 35 million dollars a year to get a great ring if you go over to the jewelry center. You
0: no, just you're, get whatever I mean, you, you need, and Murray's going to hook, hook you up. No, they they got everything that you need. That Alex and Honey line over there, that Le'Veon. I mean, that Le'Veon they got over there, jury line, is absolutely incredible. They've got some rubies over there, some sapphire. Those things are absolutely beautiful. They just sparkle yes, all, all, over all over the my place. Oh, my goodness, and, and reasonable mm. at, at a great – Great, great price. Guys, go check my good friends out today at the jewelry store. Now, that's where my good friend, Dean Murray, uh, 76 and Layton, Layton Plaza in Brookfield, off Blue Mound Road and Tri-City National Bank Building. And a new location, folks, for you in Burlington, Wisconsin. Just over today, I looked at those uh, the Le'Veon collection line. Absolutely incredible, guys. You got to go take a look at it for your girl. They've got ruby, rubies. they got a lot of different stones over there. And, and I think they're the oldest line that's ever made uh, jewelry. So, guys, go check them out today. That's the Jury Center, seventy-six and Layton in Leighton Plaza, in Brookfield, Blue Mountain Road, and Tri-City National Bank building, right down the second floor. And a new location for you folks in Burlington, Wisconsin.
2: Eric, appreciate you hanging out, man. This is a lot of fun. Thanks for having where, me. Where is he going? Well, oh, it's the. It's, is it three o'clock it's already? It's three
0: o'clock already. You, oh you come on, man! I got more questions, man. I, you can't go now.
2: We can do it again. We can do it you again Is it
0: really three o'clock? Check the time, man. I know you it got is. peace over there from the Jury
2: It's three o one. Golly. <laughs> We can't pay him the athletic money. He can't stay for longer than now. That went quick. But we'll get you back in here again, and this will be another fun time, Eric. Appreciate Sounds it, good. man. Thanks, fellas. Eric, name of The Athletic. Joined us for the last hour. If you missed any bit of it, 1057 thefan.com's Fan On Demand. It'll be up momentarily. We still got two and a half more hours. And Gary Ellerson, Bart Winkler's at it again. Uh, he's, he's talking like a fool sometimes. So we're going to have to calm him down. Wendy's Big Show next on The Fan. Okay, picture this.